Welcome to our new podcast series called In the Mix. I am Wynn Darden, I'm the business manager for the Lumaflon FEVE fluoropolymer resins. The podcasts are all about choosing the right coating solutions where we discuss with industry experts what influences their decision-making processes when it comes to specifying and using coatings. We'll delve into how experts develop their strategic planning approach to current structural and future market demands. In our first episode, we'll talk with Fiona Levin of IFS Coatings and Rowan Georges of SOM New York City on how they, as a coating supplier and architect, uh, develop and meet the requirements of a coating spec in the architectural space. They will educate us on their processes and uh, hopefully talk about some of the challenges that they get uh, along the way for this. So I thank you very much for joining us today. If uh, you guys can uh, give an introduction of yourselves, give us your background and everything, I think that's a good place to start. Great. Thanks, Wynn, for, uh, for, the, for welcoming us. Uh, my name is Rowan Georges. I am the, uh, the lead specifications writer at SOM. I sit in the New York office, but I also sit over all of the, uh, the firm-wide specification writers. Um, and I've been at SOM now for upwards of 18 years. Um, it's been a great run, and I look forward to uh, working uh, on great projects using Lumaflon um, coatings. And uh, great to be here. Um, so my name is Fiona Levin-Smith. Um, I work at IFS Coatings. I've been working in uh, powder coatings for 16 or 17 years now, originally in Europe. And then I implanted to the US about 10 years ago, which is about how long I've known Rowan now, I think, about 10 years. And I look after um, the architectural specification uh, side at IFS Coatings as well, which is a lot of fun and keeps me out of trouble. That's good. Good to hear it. And we'll probably see you at AIA would be my guess. Yes, sir. And Rowan. I will be oh, there Very good. Well. Okay. All right. Well, great. I hope to see both of you there. You guys are intimately familiar with the, uh, the design process and also the specification process for coatings. So historically, when we do uh, a facade, uh, which is where we would use the FEVE um, coatings, um, we, we start with uh, a palette and the, the colors and the, the sheen from that palette are derived basically from a design or what we're comfortable with, what we've used in the past. And um, so for us, you cannot separate performance of the actual coding from the, the, the selection and the sheen. So they go hand in hand. And, and so um, we start with... Uh, you know, AMA 2605 compliant coatings. And more recently, within the last 10 or so years, we've been focused on getting uh, powder coating as the kind of default uh, for, for any of our coatings. Again, uh, with an eye towards performance. Uh, in recent uh, times, powder coating has enjoyed uh, more use in the Northeast. And um, that's important because uh, we view that as more environmentally friendly than the other choices on the market. Um, and so we've been leaning heavily in the last three and a half years doing our research into uh, why powder coatings are, are better. And we've tried to uh, do a good job in convincing our clients in going that direction where historically 
liquid coatings have enjoyed the lion's share of the market, but we see uh, some inroads being made in the powder coating uh, in industry. Okay. Well, we like to hear that as a powder coating resin supplier. So <laughs> um, that's good to us. Um, so you typically work with the AMA 2605 standard as the one that you shoot for. Is that right? That's correct. And there are some caveats there that, you know, we can go into more detail, but uh, yes, for typically for our exterior facing components, AMA 2605 is the SOM standard. And then for anything on the interior, we have started doing AMA 2604, um, whereas before we would default to 2603, but we see value in bumping it up to 2604. Fiona, what do you do? How do you and uh, Rowan interact with each other when, uh, when you get a, a project like this? Whether it's Rowan or you know what, what where else the uh, the project is, then um, quite often they'll come to us and say, "Okay, we're looking at a coding for this specific project." And our first question is, "What is the performance?" Obviously, if we're talking to Rowan, then we know it's going to be twenty six oh five for exterior. Um, if it's elsewhere, then that you know. There's different levels of education on powder coating, so we might try and help educate to the different types of powder coating because quite often people don't realize that there are different types or architectural grades of powder, if that's a better way to put it, and that you can get 2603, 2604, 2605 types of powder. So we might do a little bit of education there. Um, and obviously with, with SOM and Rowan, we know it's going to be 2605, so um, then it's, it's literally, okay, what is the... The color and the um, the sheen that you're that you're going for, the gloss that you're going for, and then we would um, look to see what we have available already existing, you know, stock colors or pre-formulated something that we've made in the past. We'd send out samples and colors for the architectural team to look at, um, and then if they like one of those, then great. If it's it's a well, you know, we kind of like somewhere between this one and this one, then it goes becomes a custom color match. And we would match that for them. We turn those matches around pretty quickly and send the panels back, um, you know, and then it's a, a tweaking process till we get the exact color that they're looking for. And then that product code that, you know, the that it's an FEVE uh, Lumaflon fluoropolymer would, uh, the, the, that information plus the product code plus the color name and the gloss would go to Rowan and that's what makes it into the spec. Right. And I will qualify qualify that win that twenty six oh five statement for exterior only, right? And so we know that, you know, once you go to twenty six oh three, for instance, there are a lot more choices um, in terms of specular quality and and textures, et cetera, that we might use for interior applications. But the twenty six oh five is primarily used for our uh, monumental exterior high rise projects. Okay. Now you got you mentioned uh, environmental considerations uh, as being a driving factor for uh, for using powder coatings. Um, which one? Uh, what? Which ones of those are they? You know, they have no solvents. That's all, that's a pretty good uh, reason right there. We we look at everything. Um, so from the actual content of the of the resin to also how uh, the manufacturing plant. Um, is powered, uh, you know, all of these are factors for us. But yes, the biggest one, obviously, is no solvents and then the ability for it to be reused, anything that is not uh, 
you know, using the, the for, on the first pass, it can be reused. So those are big factors where, um, you know, competitively, if you were to compare it against liquids, they they don't really um, they they don't really match up. And I think some of the other areas as well, when um, that can be advantageous, is like like Rowan says, obviously no solvents means no VOCs, so that's a huge advantage for the design community. Likewise, the ability to reclaim and then reuse or recycle. But there's there can be differences in the pretreatment. So powder does not have to go over chrome pretreatment; it can go over non-chrome pretreatment. So that can help with a um, a design push. It has a great um, uh, embodied uh, carbon footprint compare, you know, comparatively. And so we also have um, environmental product declarations, EPDs, including one for our fluoropolymer powder range. Um, and so having that information available, the EPD that we can send to somebody like Rowan, who can then use that in the you know discussion and get all the environmental information from that EPD. Um, we have that for our 2605, obviously the Lumaflon um, powders that we that we create. We also have it for 2604 and 2603 powders as well. Um, but having that is is a help, um, and that and that obviously contributes as well. Yeah, and to that point, when you know we are now requiring for all of our projects that you know EPDs are are um, a submittal requirement, um, and so that is a is a huge uh, plus for for powder coating i think all of the major manufacturers have have epds and that's that's great and so um we're, we're asking for all of our projects to produce epds uh for for our coatings okay yeah and i think we're supplying information as well uh into that area um obviously we have a different uh view of the business i think than you guys do but uh we do supply information to people who uh, who are doing EPDs. Um, now, what about lead lead credits? Um, I'm you know as a I'm a one step removed from where you guys are, but when we talk to architects, um, they do ask about things like that, and we think we we kind of think we know what's available. But what do you guys look at as far as lead goes in the, in specking a coating like that? Well, I think, you know, for the current version of LEED 4.1, you know, um, building product optimization with for uh, transparency documentation like EPDs and health, healthy product uh, declarations uh, gets you credit. So, you know, same as uh, the discussion as before, you know, EPDs go a long way in, in getting us there. Um, so the recycled content and also uh, the low embodied carbon uh, emissions are, are valuable. I would say, you know, the majority of our domestic projects um, shoot for LEED certification in some in some way. And there are other sustainable design platforms um, that our international projects also ascribe to. Have you seen an uptick in the number of LEED projects? Um, it's becoming the norm as we struggle or wrestle rather with, uh, you know, you know, many architecture firms have signed on to the 2024. Uh, 30 um, and 2040 um, goals to um, to reach net zero. So, yeah, I, I would say <clears throat> for the most part, there have there has been an uptick in those projects. Obviously, you know, if it's if it's a private developer client who may not necessarily need to comply with lead, a lot of these developers 
um, are shooting for it regardless because they see it as the, the smart thing to do since many of their tenants uh, have also ascribed to you know, more sustainable um, you know, uh, buildings and, and, and tenant, uh, tenant fit outs. So yes, I think both in the public and private realm, lead or sustainability in general um, is very much on the minds of people who own the buildings and people who occupy those, those spaces. Are there any other uh, standards that you look at? Um, you know, we have thing, things that are out there like the red list and some of these other uh, uh, measure, measuring uh, organizations, I guess, or they're you know, looking for uh, uh, material quality and things like that. Yeah, I think, I think LEED tries to cover all of that under their general umbrella uh, for sustainable practices. Uh, so, you know, the red lists and other um, transparency documentation or, or data points um, all feed into um, those healthy product declarations that are required that give you that credit um, uh, for building um, building optimization. So, so yeah, you know, the red list is one. I'm sure there, there are many others around the globe um, that, that, um, that publish these data points. I, we, we wish at some point everything, you know, becomes more um, standardized so that we're not like checking a million and one lists. Uh, but again, it goes back to, you know, doing what's right, uh, both in terms of the environment, but also, uh, you know, doing what's right in terms of the chemical content and, and health, uh, healthy material choices. I think that's a conversation that we've had for a long time as well, isn't it? About that it's it's whether you're designing to lead standards or whether as, as an architectural practice, you subscribe to aim towards sustainable design, then it's choosing products that can help you achieve that whether that's a you know an actual lead credit or whether that's the okay you know we want to we want to be a sustainable design practice so let's push that forward yeah and i think you know for us at som you know whether or not a building or a project is pursuing lead certification we want our spec to be the most environmental uh environmentally conscious spec and also the most health conscious spec and so regardless of if you're pursuing that platform or not, what's in our spec is going to be what we feel is the most responsible for the environment and for the occupants of, of the building. What would you, what would you like to see uh, if you can change anything in the, in the powder coating uh, or add properties or, or uh, 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 attributes, I guess? What would, you, what would you like to see in a powder coating? So, and I, this has been my, my, uh, my kind of calling card when it comes to powder coating, right? So I'll give you anecdotally how I even got here. Um, back in 2010, I believe, um, I was working on a project in Mexico City, and all of the extrusions were coming from Europe, which meant, you know, they were going to be powder coated. We would traditionally were a liquid coating uh, firm, and we you know, that's all we specified that would meet on the 2605. Um, and so when I first got the samples that were being produced out of Europe that were powder coated, um, they were not as specular, as glossy as I would have liked. And um, so in general, my, my feeling was, well, why would I ever, you know, specify powder if they're not going to look as glossy as, as, I, as I would have been accustomed to with liquid? 
And so the question you asked, what would I like to see? I would like to see the AMA 2605 power coatings um, improve upon, you know, their specular quality. I know that we can do it in 2603 and even 2604 where we get some more exotic uh, metallic finishes. It would be great if we had that same quality in 2605. I know it's asking a lot. Um, if you, not, not just the IFS coatings, but any one of the manufacturers that come to see me, I say the same thing every time I see them. Can we improve upon the specular quality of the 2605? Yeah, we do a lot of research and obviously trying to meet the different uh, requests. And that's one request obviously from Rowan. We get all sorts of other um, requests in terms of different colors that are maybe more difficult to achieve, like a red brick one, I right. think was one that we talked about mm -hmm. last time I was here. Um, and you know, that comes back down to pigment availability and that type of thing that makes it more difficult to achieve some of the colors. I think we've come a long way in terms of what we can do with metallics and that's improving and changing all the time. Um, likewise, with some of the things that we can do in powder that you can't do in liquid, like some of the speckle, or almost a speckle, which makes it sound much bigger than it is. I don't know how else to describe it. It's much smaller and it gives the, the coating a, a very kind of good depth and a lot of texture without being physical texture. You know, you don't touch it and feel a texture. It really gives it that kind of multi spec, slight speckle and a lot of depth to the coating. And we can achieve that in a 2605 coating. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, even the wood grain stuff now is becoming available in 2605. So there are things that we can do, um, but there's, there's always a wish list, right? right. And so... And when it comes to gloss, we, we really have a, a, a nice range of gloss that we can do in 2605, whether that's down to, you know, the kind of matte low gloss um, uh, sheens or whether all the way up to about a 70 gloss is possible with a, with a you know, with a 2605 powder coating. So if to extend that even further, obviously would be great, but we, we want to do that without negatively affecting the weathering capability. And that's sometimes what holds us back within developing some of those colors or some of those gloss levels or whatever, you know, the effect that we're being asked to develop is sometimes it's because we can do it, but it's going to negatively affect the weathering capability. And we're choosing 2605 to have good weathering capability. It's the best there is. Um, so we don't want to affect that. It would be, you know, would negate the point of using, using that in the first place. But Fiona's right. I mean, they have come a long way since 2010. I mean, what, what was available in 2010 was really basic uh, for 2605. And so they have made significant inroads in giving us more options. You know, we'd like to see more just as much as you've done for 2604 and 2603. But I know that it's a slow process. But again, for us, you know, uh, performance and aesthetics cannot be separated. So they, they have to perform and they have to look great. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the advantages of the FEVE, of course, is you can do that range of gloss. And uh, we, have a, we do have our own lab over here in the U.S. Uh, where we do uh, powder coatings. And uh, one of the things we're working on, we, we work on metallics as well. So we, we think there's a big opportunity there for that. So um, do you guys see com uh, design complexity increasing in any of the projects upcoming these days? That's, I guess, a relative term. There, there are, um, there's always innovation. I, I'd like to frame it in that, in that way, um, in terms of 
uh, you know, how the designs are derived. But I, I think, like just like anything else in the industry, everything evolves uh, with technology. So I would say, you know, making things automated seems to be the next uh, iteration or even AI we see as an iteration of how to, how to arrive at a design. And the, the question will always be, well, how does the fabrication or manufacturing process catch up with that? Or is it, is it a step behind or is it some on a different track? And so that's always been a challenge, I think, in the industry. But I think um, just like anything else, everything evolves in time. So the, the, the question will always be, are we as architects and, and designers uh, current with the in industry in terms of practices, or are we doing something that's um, counter to what the industry can, can do? Do you think, is North America kind of a typical market for you? I know you, you mentioned Mexico City. You guys are doing work down there. Uh, do you see this as uh, North America as being distinct and separate from other parts of the world? Or do you think everybody's demanding the same thing around the world? Is it something consistent? I think if we were to talk about FEVE powder, um, Northeast has probably um, le been leading the charge. But I think North America in general has been a liquid, a liquid uh, market. Um, and so we've been trying our best to, to kind of flip that, uh, you know, some, some areas more successful than, than others, obviously. Um, but we work globally all over the world. And so we do lots of work in the Middle East where, you know, FEV is, is used, um, China as well, Far East, Europe, they all are solid markets for, for powder coat, um, North America is not quite there yet, but we're trying our best to get it, get it there. Yeah, I think so. You're doing a pretty good job because uh, we uh, are, we see our resin sales uh, increasing at, at multiple tens of percentages every year. So we think, we think uh, last year was a breakout year and we think this year is going to be even better for, uh, for powder. So, yeah. Do you have any other, uh, aspects of this you'd like to talk about rowan and fiona well i just had one um which is you know we are very active in engaging not just you know fiona or not just lumaflon but but everyone including you know the applicators uh, even ownership and creating partnerships and making sure that you know everyone's on the same page with this whole embodied carbon environmental and, and even health, uh, healthy material issues, making sure that we are all engaged in the process of moving this forward and not doing business as usual, uh, making sure that we're addressing this global crisis. And so um, we've been in talks with uh, all of the, the, the major um, suppliers and even the, the, the applicators. So we're, we're trying to set up a meeting with um, one of our favorite applicators here in in North America, doing plant tours and making sure we we visit their their facilities. And one thing that has been useful is um, having them explain to us what the process is of how we can get consistency, not just with you know powder coated extrusions, but how that consistency translates to things like you know uh, metal panels, 
uh, even steel guardrails, et cetera, so that there's, if we have a, co a color or a sheen that we want to be repeated throughout a project, that there is a way, a method by which we can achieve that while also achieving the performance and the environmental requirements that, that our specifications cover. So collaboration, collaboration, collaboration is key for us. And honestly, Wynne, I think kudos to Rowan as well over the last 10 years of being one of the spec writers that even 10 years ago was adding powder into the project specs and reaching out to not just me, to the other powder suppliers as well to help with you know, making sure that the wording in the spec is correct because specifying powder is a little, the wording is a little bit different to what you would use uh, in liquid. And I can testify to the number of times I've had a GC call me and say, hey, I need you three coat powder system. And it's like, it doesn't exist. And here's why, you know? So just making those changes and taking the time. And I think Rowan was again, trailblazing and adding powder into the spec, putting it up there, putting it first, not taking liquid out, but adding it in there so that you can get the more sustainable product, you know, when it, when it's available. Um, and then helping to work, like you say, like Ron says, working with applicators, working with the different suppliers, whatever that, um, you know, who might be using different coatings, whether it's powder or not, and asking, um, you know, for them to, to consider powder and adding that into their repertoire, into their supply chain so that um, we can help with pushing, you know, the industry towards the more sustainable types of coatings and kudos to Rowan for doing that for over 10 years now. Yeah. And we try to do that as best we can. We have, of course, we have a different perspective than you guys do, but uh, we try to get our powder uh, technology uh, out to as many people as we can. So we call on architects and curtain wall suppliers and things like that. Uh, we're also doing things like presentations at uh, kind of general coating symposia. So rather than sticking to the powder coating area, we're going out into the general market and trying to do exactly that, get people more acquainted with powder and what the advantages are for them. And uh, hopefully we can start to grow the market. Uh, you know, there's a lot of aluminum extrusions are used in, in, uh, in uh, curtain wall right now, but there's a lot of steel that's used. Uh, that could be powder coated as well. So these are things that we look at and, and uh, try to get out there with our technical guys. Do you guys, you, Rowan, do you guys use a lot of powder coated steel as well or does it tend to be all aluminum? What's the so yeah, we the, the, the majority obviously will be aluminum, uh, but we have seen an uptick in things like guardrails for steel. Um, but that's an interesting conversation because there's this whole other side of the embodied carbon discussion that aluminum is not great. And so we're looking at, you know, what if we did a curtain wall out of steel? What would that cost? What would that look like? And so we have been in conversation with, you know, uh, various uh, um, steel uh, um, curtain wall suppliers in trying to convince them to come over to the North American market. Um, and then obviously we say, well, if you come over, you know, we want you to use powder coating as well. So, so it's been, it's been great. It's been great. This whole uh, exploration into um, what else is available on the market to address embodied carbon. Um, and so I think you guys are positioned well because you can go on both aluminum and steel. Um, and so as we see more and more steel curtain walls and more, more and more steel components being used because of environmental reasons, um, it's a, it's a great win for powder coating. 
yeah, and we'll we'll continue to look at things like that. We're uh, one of the other things we do in the lab. We're looking at low temperature curing products, so we can get onto things like fiberglass and uh, uh, other type materials, mainly for the window market. But uh, some of these polymeric materials are becoming more common and and uh, are being used in applications other than windows. And uh, I would love to switch that business over to powder. Um, it's going to take some work, but. Um, all of that, all of these things are going to gain traction. I think as as uh, people you look to do things like reduce energy uh, in the in the window market. Uh, the big advantage of powder coatings is, or, or uh, yeah, powder. Co- or, uh, I'm sorry, FRP is uh, you don't have to insulate. You can the uh, FRP does it for you. You don't need the insulating spacers when you put the windows together. And uh, that's a big advantage to some of these uh, manufacturers going into uh, going into some of these projects. So I think innovation is is something that uh, is really key to the marketplace. And uh, you know, we want you guys to come uh, just as Fiona does. We want you guys to come, feel free to come to us so we can uh, we can start looking at stuff that's interesting to you as well. Great. Well, thanks for having us. I think um, you know for SOM, it's very important for us to stay connected with industry. And uh, so if there's any innovation that can be beneficial or anything that you think will be upcoming in the market that we need to uh, have eyes on, we're more than happy to, 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 to make that connection with you and to stay connected that way. Thank you, Wayne, as well. From IFS, you guys are so important to us at IFS Coatings as our resin supplier. So we appreciate all that you do for us. And yeah, thanks for the invite. It's been fun. All right. Well, thank you guys. We really appreciate it and uh, take care. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast in the mix. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe. To catch all the latest from Lumiflon, you can visit our website at lumiflonusa.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Lumiflon USA. Thanks again. See you next time.